0: Well, we're going to do a little bit of uh, audience participation first because you've probably been here for about two and a half hours at least. So, the fir- And you haven't had a break, which I think is a bit rough. So the first thing we're going to do is I'm going to get you all to move into the centre of the room. So you're going to move up and you're going to move into the centre of the room. So you guys in the middle, you're sorted, aren't you? You're fantastic. You're good. And Steve, can I move this across this way? So we all want to move a little bit closer because we're in the coffee industry. Perfect. Are we all close? You need to be sitting next to somebody. Perfect. Now, because you've been sitting here for so long, we need to get a bit of a, a bit of a warm-up going on. Okay? So what you're gonna do, you're gonna put all your stuff down and you're gonna stand up and introduce yourself to the person next to you. You need to face the person next to you. You might know them, you might not, but you're gonna stand up and look at them. Can we have the lights up? Is that possible? Can we have lights up, Steve? No, we can't. Okay, now, guys, what you need to do is you're going to face the person. You're going to find a partner. So if you don't have a partner, you need to find a partner, please. If you don't have a partner, you need to find a partner. Face the person in front of you, and you're going to check them out. You need to have a good look. Seriously, are we listening? Gentlemen, they're not listening, Steve couple up here. Gentleman with the glasses. That's you. Hi. Yeah, you need to face the person in front of you. So you all need to be facing a person. This is audience participation. So
1: face each other. Come on. Face uh, each d- other. D- uh, poor Roland's left on his own again, though.
0: Come- I know. So he needs to find a partner.
1: Has anybody not got a partner? There we go. Come down. Go on, roll a meet halfway.
0: Come on. Fantastic. Let's all get together. Right, you need to start looking at that person. I want you to look at that person and check them out. Now I want you to turn so your back is to that person, so you can't see them. You're now going to change five things about your appearance. You need to change five things about your appearance. So, you've got two minutes to do this. Change five things about your appearance, please. Great. Are we all done? Once you've changed five things about your appearance, put your hand up. When you've changed five things about your appearance, put your hand up. Don't let the other person see you yet. Great, we need a few more hands up, please. Nice and quick, gentlemen and ladies. Five things about your appearance. Are you all done? Great, turn around and see if you can find what those five things are on your partner. See if you can find those five things. Once you find those five things, you can sit down. Once you find those five things, has anyone got five? If you got five, you can sit down. Has anyone got four? All right, great. So a little bit of uh, get the blood pumping, get ourselves standing up. Did everyone get five? Yes. A bit of audience participation. Great. So, this speech goes out to anybody who's dreaming of opening a coffee shop or maybe who's opened a coffee shop or who looks at a coffee shop and thinks, yeah, that'd be easy. So, when I was a teenager, I wasn't very successful. I wasn't very good at much stuff. And from Australia, you know, most people are good at sport. In Australia, I wasn't very good at sport. I wasn't very good academically. I was okay. Uh, Certainly, girls weren't. I wasn't very good at girls either. And uh, I sort of struggled along. You know, I did okay. But at 17, I discovered hospitality. I discovered working in the hospitality industry. I always enjoyed cooking, and in my final year of school, I went and did a food and beverage course, and I got a job in a local pub. And hospitality has been my career since I was 17 years old. And I absolutely love it. I loved it then, I loved it now. The buzz, the speed, the pressure, the going on stage, looking after people, and the instant gratification that you get of looking after someone, they say, thank you very much. You can see they've had a good time. That's been my industry since I was 17 years old. Coffee is not my industry. Hospitality is my industry. I've always worked in bars, cocktail bars. I used to work behind a bar because I used to enjoy the barrier that was there. Remember, I wasn't very confident as a teenager, so that bar was a barrier. Eventually, my confidence grew, and I really enjoyed working on the floor working on the floor, looking after tables, looking after customers. <clears throat> I got a job when I was 22 years old in a cocktail bar in a four-and-a-half-star hotel in Melbourne. And as part of the interview, the general manager, a, name called Dick, a man called Dickie Singh, he was an absolute legend, he gave me the job and he said, Peter, this is now your bar. I want you to take ownership of this bar. And it was the absolute, one of the best things a person has ever said to me because it was like, oh my God. I now have my own bar, and I took that ownership, and I say that to my staff now. If you have a job at Caffeine, this is your place, you look after it as if it is your place. I lived in the UK from 95 to 98, had a very good time over here, and I went back to Australia and I saw a change in Australia in the cafe industry, in the hospitality industry. Cafes had started to grow up in Australia and in Melbourne in particular. Food was quite important, coffee was important, and design was important. I came back in 2005 with my wife, and I saw an opportunity in London, not just for coffee, and not just for a cafe, but for a viable, successful business of my own. So that was in 2005, and for those of you who know the history of coffee in London, 2005 was when Flat White opened, and that was one of the places that I used to go to all the time with my wife. But what was my opportunity then? My opportunity was to... Open a cafe in London that primarily sold good coffee, good food, and had great hospitable service with a design ethic behind it. My wife, of course, she said, just do it, as wives do, because all I used to do was talk about it. Yeah, I think I'll open this, I think I'll do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. We used to go to coffee shops all the time and look at them and, and basically criticise them, which I've very much learned not to do anymore because it's really hard work. I was full-time at the Art Marlebone Cricket Club, Lord's Cricket Ground, looking after all the casual catering staff. So I was responsible for 600 staff on a major match day to bring them in and work on the, on the test matches, the One Day Internationals, and all the corporate events that we used to have. So I started on the business plan. I went to business plan courses. I used to get into work at 7.30 in the morning, my boss would be in about 8.30, and I'd be at my desk, like this typing. That's how I type, like this, fight up I was. It's my business, I'm going to open a business. And my boss would hear me and he'd rock in and he'd go, geez, you're working hard. Yes, working very hard. <clears throat> the planning, the planning and the planning. Sitting at home at night and just typing and typing and thinking and thinking about how this business was going to work and the numbers that was going to work. And again, my wife said to me, just stop thinking about the numbers and how much it's going to do. Just stop and no, it's very important. I have to do this, I have to do this. So what was the hardest part, though? One of the hardest parts was actually convincing people what I wanted to do and to put the mind into their mind what I wanted to have. I'm going to open a cafe. And they go, really? And you almost go back to the, the bacon butty because in England, with respect to England, that style of business had not really been around before. So I had a mood folder. And our mood folder was basically pictures of places in Australia mainly that showed the sort of design and the style that I wanted to do. And I took this to my bank manager. And I took it to all my friends and I showed my family this is what I want to do. Um, I sat down in Monmouth one day because I wanted to have the answer to the question how many coffees a day do they make? And how many people ask that question? Lots and lots. So I sat in Monmouth in Borough Market for an hour on a Saturday morning and I counted every customer for an hour. My goodness. The flow through that came through on that so then I sort of had an idea how many customers they might get and I worked it out of course 10 hour day 60 minutes 600 minutes can you make a coffee a minute you can so maybe that's 600 coffees a day maybe that's the maximum you could possibly do but then of course you wouldn't have a coffee a minute because you have peak times and low times the next question of course how many people are going to buy food my business was not going to be just about coffee it was going to be a cafe it was going to be a destination and food I knew food was going to be very very important and so when I was doing my business plan and my finances I had to work out how much people were going to spend on food as well so I sat in Monmouth and I worked it out and I figured that 25 percent of every coffee buyer would buy a food product too that was my guess and if you know Monmouth their food offer isn't Of a very high quantity, trying to put this nicely, they don't have lots of stuff available, to put it that way. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, there we go. So in 2008, of course, this is all the planning, the recession hit. Pretty much the next week I went to the bank and said, please can I have some money? And they said, no, you can't. Okay, thank you very much. I said, I would like to put in 40% of the money into the total amount of money that I need. And I'd like the bank to put in 60%. NatWest said, we're not touching anybody. HSBC, they said, go away, get some more money and come back. So in January 2009, we found the site. (coughs) In May 2009, we found out we were pregnant with our first child. And around that time, I got the courage, and I want to stress that word, to go and speak to a gentleman called George Fernandez at Fernandez and Wells. And I rocked up to his shop because I thought his shop was just amazing. And I said, I'd like to speak to the owner. And he said, that's me. I said, oh, um, I'd like to open a sh- coffee shop. And the amount of people who come and do that to me now today is a very high number. And he said, certainly, how about we spend half an hour right now, I'll sit down and talk to you. So I, I was blown away. And I've been forever grateful to that, for what he said. There's two very important things that he said. And I hope I can use these words in this presentation, Steve. Thank you. You need really big balls to do this, is what he said. I was like, "Uh, okay, yeah, that's all right, I can do that. He also said, have you got the keys to your premises yet? And I told him pretty much where I wanted to be. I said, no. He said, do you think you're going to get it? I said, yes. We got the architects? Yes. He said, get them in now before you open the shop, before you get the keys. Get them in now, get the drawings done, get the building work done and you're on the way. I said, but I haven't got the keys, I might not get it. He said, just go ahead and do it. So we did. I worked at Lord's Cricket Ground up until July the 25th. we got the keys on July the 1st. The builders were in on July the 5th, excuse me. anyone who knows cricket will know in the year of 2009 was the Ashes series and I can't quite remember I think it was also the World Cup one day into World Cup 2020 series at the cricket ground too so I was working all through that period I even said to my boss I want to leave my last day will be the Monday or the Tuesday after the Ashes and he said no nah, you can't do that you've got to work an extra week and I was planning to open on August the 14th of 2009 so I left the cricket club. I went home on the Friday night and I was feeling okay about it. I'd resigned from my job and I went to bed that night and I sweated like you would not believe. I felt sick for a whole week. My birthday was on July the 29th. My wife took me to the Ritz Hotel for afternoon tea for my birthday and I could hardly concentrate because all of a sudden, all this pressure, I'm going to open a shop with my pregnant wife, has built, built up onto me. But we opened on August the 14th 2009 at the time we employed good keep going one full-time chef two full-time baristas one part-time waitress and me and our goal was to be the best in the area as a gentleman who's here today I'm not sure if he's going to remember that he said this but I hope he does he said aim to be the best in your area I hope the next one not sure Aim to be the best in your area. He said, Peter, don't worry about it. Just aim to be the best in your area. In November 2010, we were awarded best independent cafe in Europe. So I was pretty impressed. We now have a manager, a lady called Claire. We have four full-time chefs, including the original chef, Jared. Two assistant managers, four baristas, two floor staff, and I have two children under four years old. bit emotional. So then you look at the numbers. Now, of course, you may look at the numbers in the middle column. And you may think, oh, yeah, it's not too many. You may think, bloody hell, that's a lot. But you also should be looking at the numbers on this side, the percentages. And I think James also mentioned in his speech, it's all about the percentages. And I was hoping that Colin would be here today because I'd ask him to read out the flat white one. So, Colin, if you're watching, just read that out. 33.33 that's going to be funny I was so the numbers there these are the numbers that we look at and from my till system I can get this sort of information but I think personally what's really interesting of course is the flat white okay the flat white for us is in a five ounce cup or for takeaway we have an eight ounce cup and we fill the milk up to about six ounces full so you basically get a two-thirds full cup but it's still the biggest seller that we have. All our coffees are double shots. You'll also see the Americano in the long black. Okay, it's basically black coffee. For those of you who are unsure, for us, the Americano is basically more water. So if you drink in, the long black is in a five ounce cup, you get double shot and the rest water. The Americano, six ounces. Of course, Australians, we know it as the long black, so Australians will come into the shop and go, I have a long black. But there's a number of people that you could say we've converted to drinking the long black because you're getting less water and less dilution of your drink. Okay? So a lot of people are drinking black coffee. And how many people or what percentage of people are drinking espresso? So I'll leave that to how, you've, how you wish to uh, read that. I want to go into some of the things that I think are most important, some of the things that I think are the keys to success. And I also have always thought about how do other people do that? Because I'd never owned my own business before, I'd never run my own business before, I'd only ever worked in businesses as if it was my business, because I always believed that from the day when Dickie Singh told me that. And here's one of the first tips we should go to. Slide. Slide slide, oh damn it, slide, yes, oh no, we're a bit ahead of ourselves, I'm sorry, we should be up to slide 23 altogether, tip five, tip five, so we'll just go through those a bit more quickly, the thing that I was taught, the thing that I said right at the very start is treat this as if it's your own business and I read a very good book before I opened, I read it twice in the space of two weeks, it's called the E-Myth Revisited. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it already. And it basically says, oh yes, oh, I'll a bit. Keep going please. I'm sorry, I've missed bits, pardon me. So Jen, can we go back please to the uh, figures? Thank you very much. Go back to the figures. Pardon me, guys, I've got a bit ahead of myself. We'll cut that out in the editing, won't we, Steve? Thank you kindly. Okay, we're going to go back to the figures. we showed show the percentages, please, Jen. Perfect. Fantastic. So in today's figures, that equals about 100 kilos of coffee a week. 50% of my revenue is on, on coffee. 35% of my revenue is on food, approximately 35 to 40% of my revenue is on food. 10% of my revenue is on drinks and retail stuff, so beans and also aeropressers, which we sell a couple of week, and 5% or so is on catering, the catering that we do for offices around. My wage cost equals around 36%. My food cost comes in around 29%, and my disposables cost comes in around three and a half to four percent. We aimed, as I said to be the best in the area. But what I believe, and what I learned from the Australian cricket team, is they said, we may be said to be the best, but we never believe that we're the best. If you believe you're the best, you're putting yourself up there to be brought back down. Always believe that you're the second best because you're always going to push yourself, to you push yourself and push yourself. And we're not good enough yet. We're not good enough, we're not good enough yet. So in my original, fantastic, we're on track now, in my original induction manual I set up a mission statement and I said something like caffeine will always be regarded as a good cafe. We recently rewrote that to say that we will always be regarded as one of the leading cafes in the UK. And to me that's very important because I always want to, caffeine to be one of the leading cafes in the UK. If we're in the top one, two, three, four and five to me that's what we push towards always want to push towards that we can only do so much in the space that we have but what we should be doing is always be recognized as that and I sat down individually with every staff member that we have any new staff member that we have and I said this is our mission statement and it goes into more detail than that it goes into our core values and our standards too and I said please read through that and if you agree to it sign it because everything that you do now and when you've even when you first started leads into that. Every little detail that we have, every little service we provide, every coffee we make, will lead into this umbrella. So how do you achieve all this, though? How do you create this great business? Well, there's all these books, there's self-help guides, there's software programs and mentors, there's groups. You get advice from everywhere. And one of the most tiring things that i found in the whole running of the business is at the end of the day, it comes down to you. And you have to make all these decisions. And I never realised when I first opened back in 2009, how many decisions you have to make and how tiring that is so we go back to what are some of the keys to success how do other people do that what do they do we should be almost up to and by the way this is not how it looks now (laughs) this is what we found okay remember this speech is going out to the people who are dreaming or who want to open their own shop or who have opened their own shop and been through this and we should almost be up to slide 23 tip 5 perfect treat your business as the product because one day you may have to sell it and one day might be to your family maybe my daughter or my son wants to take over my business every day every week I try and push myself to make sure that my business is a product and I'm working on that product one day somebody might come up to you and say hello I want to buy your shop and you go yes please take it away from me or you could say take a number there's a queue down the street because my business i'm working on my business working on my business your business is now the product that you're working on coffee is a product you work on food is a product you work on but you now own a business so therefore you should be working on your business as a product because one day you're not just going to sell the coffee to a person you're going to have to sell your business to somebody you can't just resign the amount of times i've had to think that and go Can't just resign, can't just go off and find another job. You know, if you're employed, you can do that easily. When you own your own business, effectively you're stuck. So how do you write and design a roster? How do you do cash flow? What about break-even analysis, profit and loss statements, balance sheets, debtors, creditors, food costs, wage costs? What about your rental costs? What about recruitment and training? What about motivation of your staff? The design of the shop, the efficiency, the workflow, the systems? What about menus? What about food safety? The provision of food to your customer so they don't get sick. All these things. What about setting up your business so that it has processes and checklists and systems, so that it has clarity and efficiency and professionalism? All the great businesses, all the great teams are built on this. Because we should be on slide 26, 77 now. A good tradesperson does not mean you're a good business person being a good business person means you're generally no longer a trades person you have to take yourself away from working the floor away from working the machine and work on your business so here's a couple of things that I do every week I do a break even analysis I used to walk home and I used to think to myself how much money am I making today I couldn't work it out So I worked out my gross revenue, I worked out how much approximate VAT I would uh, be charged to get my net revenue. I worked out all my fixed costs for the week and broke them down, or fixed costs for a month and broke them down to get an average. And then I work out, and I do this every week. And my manager does it now for me every week instead of me. And she puts in all our invoices that we spend. And at the bottom of it, I can see that approximately for an operational cost, I can see that we actually made an operational profit that week. So square mile coffee, I get my invoices from them and I put it in into my spreadsheet, my fruit and veg, my tea, my uh, disposables, my rent, my wages, all that goes into my breakeven analysis. I, for me, it's just so important. I would like to stress how important I think it is to do something like that within your business. Of course, then you wonder about how much cash you're gonna have. How much cash you're gonna have in your bank? In your personal lives, can you work out now how much cash you're gonna have in your bank next year? As a business, that's so important. I used to check my bank balance every day, twice a day. You see, someone put a deposit in because I don't have any money in the bank. It drove me mental. This, to me, is very, very important. Every week now, I do a cash flow analysis and forecast. And so I do the same thing as basically my cash that comes into my bank and all the cash that went out of the bank that week. And I can forecast out exactly in 18 months time how much cash I should have in the bank. Because, of course, maybe in six months' time I want to go to the uh, bank manager again and say, can I have a bank loan, please? I want to open another shop. Yeah, sure, Peter. How much cash you got in the bank? This much. And how much cash you going to have in the bank next week? This much. Can you prove that? Yes, because I've got four years' worth of results to show that. And I can actually look back to January 2010 when my daughter was born and we had £1,000 in the bank. I can look back now, I can see that. Remember the exercise we just did at the start? Can anyone else work out why we did that exercise? Apart from having a bit of fun? Because to me, running a good business is about the small details. The small details within your business are what's gonna make your business successful. So another very good manager I work with in a place called the Rostown Hotel in Carnegie, Melbourne, his name is Jamie Buckland. It was a 200 seat bistro, a 50 seat restaurant, 24-hour pokies, Australia's biggest drive-in bottle shop. Yeah, drive-in. That's where you drive in. They put alcohol in the back of your car and you drive off again. Okay. And he was the general manager. I remember walking past a a table with him one day and there was a vase of flowers. And he stopped and he adjusted it. I said, Jamie, that's a bit particular. He said, Peter, that's a 1%. I said, what's a 1%? He said, the 1% make up you being 100%. Because the whole of the hotel the whole of the structure of the hotel might be 70 percent and the staff are this percent and the bar is that percent but that little vase is the one percent so me caffeine i'm very particular i try and work on the one percent because when you leave caffeine you shouldn't be walking out and going that was wrong that was wrong that was wrong you should walk out and go oh i feel better now and that's one of our goals if you can walk into caffeine and we can make you feel better when you leave than when you arrive, we've achieved our goal. So everything's in its place. I don't like mess. A place for everything. Simple, efficient, practical, systematic. London's hard enough as it is. You don't need to be come in and bombarded with all this stuff all over the place. Just come in, be well looked after and away we go. The amount of space we have is 400 square feet. You have to make every inch count. So we have the counter service. Food to entice at the front, cash register in the middle, coffee at the back get the flow get this get the uh, system simple for the customer simple for the staff limited menu limited choices we don't have multiple sizes we have an area down the back a little com- sort of a uh, communal area the high tables along the wall where people can sit up and interact with themselves and interact with the staff the front area so people can sit and look out the glass window if they wish to our water glasses free water the smallest glass possible, 5-ounce glass, some lemon and mint in the water jug, just to make it taste nice. An 18-year-old waitress, when we first started, had this idea. We had our juice glasses, and we didn't know where to put them, and she said to me, put them in the freezer. I was astounded. The most simple idea. So our juice glasses now are kept in the freezer. When you get an orange juice from us, it's in a frozen glass. When you get the bircha musy or granola musy, it's in a frozen glass. And that little touch, that little 1%, makes a huge difference to the customer. Our cup sizes, of course, you've seen our cup sizes, I spoke about that before. They're very particular in our sizes. We place the sugar in a certain way. If you walk in... The tables run down that way, the sugars on the right-hand side, the jams on this this side, the magazines are set up in a certain way, the newspapers, the flowers, thank you, Jamie, the food display, the cards, the way we do everything, the retail coffee, the way we serve our food. When you turn up to caffeine, if you get a little plate with some food on it, the fork and the knife will be on the right-hand side. This, to me is very important. These are little 1%, the little details that you have. When we first started, I said, right, if you're going to get a coffee cup, a cup of coffee in caffeine, the cup will be put down in front of the customer on the right-hand side, and the first thing they'll do is reach for the teaspoon, generally, and that teaspoon will be on the right-hand side as well. And the latte art will be at six o'clock. So I'll please ask you now, if you go off into your own shop or any other shop in the future, and you get a coffee cup in front of you, and the teaspoon's on the left-hand side, and you're right-handed, what's the first thing you're going to do? And then, of course, you get to the half percents. I came up one day and the same 18 year old waitress was about to take, up, take out a coffee cup and I said, That's wrong, that's left handed. She said, Yeah, that's because the customer's left handed. So we're going to give him a left handed coffee. So we have two customers in particular who are still come into the shop today and they have left, they're left handed, so we make them left handed coffee. That's just a little touch that we do. You need to look. With your customer's eyes all the time. And teach your staff to pay, so, pay attention to the details. Teach your staff to do that too. Go out onto your shop floor and look from your shop floor and look from a customer's point of view. Okay? And then you talk about the staff. Your staff are going to be your most costly expense. So they're also your greatest asset. Excuse me. And I'm very proud to say... Although a little disappointed today, there's not many girls here. So the girls in the room, I'm very proud to say that the girls have pretty much built my business. Girl baristas, girl managers, have pretty much built my business. Yes, of course we have boys here who work for us, but girls have been uh, fantastic for me, and I think they need a, a fantastic credit too. So how do we find the staff that we have? Well, first thing I do is I try and create a desirable and great place to work. I need to provide them with everything possible so they can do their job professionally and properly. If something's broken, you fix it. If they need something to work better, you get it. And you look after them as much as they are going to look after you, if not more. So what do I look for in my staff? I look for hospitality. A very good gentleman who runs some very good businesses called Danny Meyer. I suggest you read his book. He states particularly, look for someone who has hospitality in them, 51% at least. And when I met him in the shop one day, I said, that's my premise too. He said, my God, fantastic. No wonder you have such a nice business. I look for people who have speed, efficiency, and initiative and promise. And I look for people who have a desire to learn and to progress. I look after them with wages. I look after them with food, breaks, hours per week. I respect them. We take them out for dinner. We give them rewards. And I make it a nice place to work. And most of all, a place that's busy. My staff love to be busy. Do you remember that buzzer hospitality that I spoke about before? The going home at the end of a shift and you're absolutely buzzing of adrenaline and the rush of a service. Just getting absolutely hammered and busy and doing it properly and professionally and looking after people. These are the people who like to work for me. These are the people I like to have working for me. I try very hard to communicate very well with them and have professionalism and organisation as the key of my business too. If you come into the shop If you work in our shop, you should know that four minutes from point of ordering to get your coffee. That's what we work towards. We have a goal. You order, you should have your coffee within four minutes. If we're outside that, it's not good enough. But of course, with your staff, you need to go and work out how much you want to pay them. Just recently, we've been awarded the London Living Wage. London Living Wage is where I can pay my staff above the poverty line in London. And this is one of the biggest struggles that I think a coffee shop has paying staff a decent and fair wage because in London I think the minimum wage is about £6.85 from memory and I think that the London living wage is around £8.50 per hour. That's quite a difference. Paying your staff expecting them to work to the standards that I just went through is of utmost importance but how can you do that when you've got a price point of £3, £2.80 for a coffee? It's very difficult. In August 2009 we opened. In December 2009 Our next-door neighbour who'd been there for 15 years, she came across me and she said, Peter, you feel like a real part of the community already. I was like, really? That's a big compliment. Thank you very much. Our little street is like a little community of a street. I was really surprised, and as I said, I found it to be a very big compliment. We've become part of the local community without even thinking about doing so in our business plan. And Allegra, and the superstar that is called Jeffrey Young, state quite rightly that a great coffee shop is like the central point of a high street. A great coffee shop brings people into the high street. If I get 400, 500, 600 people a day coming into my shop, whereas before when you saw the photos, no one came, and my next door neighbor now has 400, 500, 600, 700 people a day coming past her shop and coming into that area, isn't that good for the high street? So a great coffee shop is like a pub to me. In a, in a great community. A pub of course more so in the nighttime, but a great coffee shop more so in the daytime. I often think of ourselves as that bar. The cocktail bar I used to work in and enjoy myself back when I was younger. A coffee shop is like that, except obviously there's no alcohol. But food, how important is food to a great pub? You should all know these days that a great pub does not survive with just on beer or just on whiskey. A great pub has to have hospitality, food, service and decor at its heart as well. And so therefore, my belief is that cafes are exactly the same. A cafe is a very central point of a community and a cafe must have all these things attractive to come into for the customer to to come into. So what's happening now? Well, of course, more and more places are opening. More and more places are becoming carbon copies. What can you do? You need a counter. You need an espresso machine. You need grinders. You need food. Okay. More and more baristas are arriving. More competition is out there. Are we going to be able to survive and keep training these baristas up and keep the standards that we want to? More investors want our business. More landlords want our type of business. We are the upper hand now i struggled in 2009 to get money now i get emails every week from agents and landlords and investors trying to get into my business and have me at the bu- at the base of their uh building or within their area so we have the upper hand and we should be fantastic so for the young people out there who are watching, the baristas who are wanting to open their own business, and I'm very proud to say as well that a lot of people who come to me for a job say, I want to open my own shop. They are the ideal person to have in your business too. But you are the future of the industry. Don't take the easy route. Please don't just copy what people in the past have done. Take it and improve upon it and improve upon it and improve upon it. It's got to get better. Please don't take the easy route. The problem though that we have is that the rents that they're asking is not really a viable point for us to be able to get into and run an operational business and pay our staff to a good level. So what can we afford? And we're gonna to go to the next slide, I think. Oh, yeah. oh, and for those of you who don't know, that's John Gordon, back in 2009, pouring latte out. And he's still going today. So we're gonna to go to the next slide, please. Fantastic. We can't afford to do this. That's a sandwich in a cafe in central London. I can't really see it from here, so I'm going to turn around and have a good look. Central London, over five pounds per a sandwich. And what I take on board from a lot of these talks, I want to be really careful here, is that people talk about coffee so much, with so much great passion and enthusiasm and care. That's fantastic. It's no good making... Good coffee, if you can't make a sandwich, and you're ripping your customers off, that breaks my heart. Okay, so do you believe me yet? We're going to get into some more numbers, and I'm a. So we're going to go to the first slide, and we're going to look at a place. The numbers are pretty much going to stay the same: twelve hundred square feet, forty thousand a year in rent, fifteen thousand in uh, rates. 45 a year, 355 days open. Making coffee only, you may make 200 coffees a day. And because it's uh, vatable, net spend, £2.20. Therefore, you're going to have a net revenue of £156,200. Is everyone okay with that? Perfect. The percentage is how much of your net revenue you're going to spend on your rent. 35%. If you go to the next slide, ah, I'm going to make cake. So, therefore, my net spend per customer, or per coffee, to be honest, per coffee, goes up to maybe about three pounds. Maybe, because I've got some nice food now, I might attract some more customers. I might make 250 coffees. So, therefore, my revenue goes up and my rental percentage goes down. Excellent. Then we go to the next slide. I'm going to do coffee and food same numbers in the front because you've got food which is attracting people into your business hopefully and you've got good coffee you're going to make maybe 350 coffees a day and all of a sudden your net revenue is almost half a million pounds nice and your rental is 11 percent but what factors are you missing oh you're just two seconds too fast focus on everything the coffee the food the hospitality the service the decor, the professionalism, the business. It's the entire package, people. We're in the hospitality industry. Yes, we're making coffee, but we're in the hospitality industry because you're serving this product to people. And you never know, you may get a £5 net spend per coffee because people are coming to your place and you're drawing those people into your place and they're spending money in your place, just like a pub does these days as well. Any good pub, same thing. And your rental percent is now 6%. And your net revenue is £900,000. So, this is what I'm asking today to focus on hospitality. Perfect. I've done hospitality now for, well, I'm 44. It's the industry that I love. I feel very lucky that I've been able to open my own business in an amazing city in London and have coffee at the part of it. But for me, coffee is not the part of it. The whole part of it is everything. It's the food, the service, the decor, the hospitality. I'm going to leave you one thing to remember, please. The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors or strangers. Hospitality. That's the key word. Uh, we have the movie to see, but I don't know if we're going to do questions and answers first.
1: Ye- we should do the movie first
0: if oh, Jenny's okay. set up
1: to go because I think she is, or we can do questions, <laughs>
0: it's your choice, Steve.
1: Um, we'll do questions first so we give Jen a chance to set up. Um, while I have the microphone, I'm actually going to ask you a question because, um I, I I admire the business that you have very much in, in London. It, it's very impressive. But London's a very unique situation, as in real estate. is super expensive. How do you offer that food offering in such a tiny space and maintain that quality that, you know, you obviously do? Um, what are what mm-hmm. the unique challenges of that?
0: Um, goodness, it's a, how do I do that? Well, I you can see that I do it. So how do I do it? Well, we, we're an A1 license. I'll try and answer the best I can. Yeah. Okay, so please help me out. We're an A1 license. So, A1 is one of the biggest confusing things that people have and the biggest question that we have, too. Um, You know, what can you do within an A1 license? So, my understanding and what we do, and what I've been actually signed off by Westminster Council to do, is that you can basically cook pretty much anything you want, but you're selling it for a retail sale, primarily for takeaway. So we were actually investigated by Westminster Council, and they came along and said, we think you're being a bit dodgy here, okay? And I said, well, I'm not. They said, well, we're gonna investigate. So they came and they took photos of my kitchen, took all my uh, revenue figures, my percentages of takeaway, eat-in, looked at the menu. Mm-hmm. They came twice to visit, actually. And they came back and said, yes, you are an A1 license. You're cooking food for retail sale, okay? Like I said, we get 400, 500, 600, 700 people a day coming through, we've got 26 seats. So it's not like we're an actual restaurant we don't do food to sit in We're actually most people are taking away and and you can see the uh, coffee 50% of my revenue is on coffee so it's still a majority but food still to me is that very important factor as well uh, and also offering a limited menu uh, offering menu that is easy to take away for people rather than sitting down um, and uh, yeah and also what we do is we re- rotate our menu so each week there's always something different on the menu. So when you have people who are you know, working in the area and they're coming to you every week, twice a week sometimes, they're getting a difference in their meal rather than having the same menu for six months or three months. Does that I, think,
1: I think that's more of kind of where, where it was going with you because I think you do an amazing job with such a small space of keeping that menu fresh and rotating over and f- also finding a menu to fit what you do. For me, I get so much feedback from our wholesale customers who say, oh, well, we can't do food. We haven't got a big enough kitchen. And it's like, okay, let me introduce you to some people. And uh, like yourself, I use as an example an espresso room as well with Ben Townsend. Does an amazing job with limited spaces and it's about getting the menu to fit. Um, I think this is more of a a comment on than uh, a question. But I think another thing I admire very much about caffeine is the way that it's a business as well as a great coffee place. Um, And this is something that we quite often forget in the industry as well, that it's really important to make money. um, Because if you don't, it's not very sustainable.
0: That, I'm trying to make that point before just, mm-hmm. if someone's thinking of opening a coffee shop and making coffee, they are potentially the figures you may be ending up with. But if you start thinking about it before you actually open go actually yeah well, I have to employ chefs. And some people go oh a chef oh I don't want to employ a chef they're trouble. Really? Maybe baristas are too you know how easy it is to find a barista, how easy it is to find a chef? Yeah. Not sure. But you know I would be lo- looking at how you can create the best possible product for your customer and that is to have food, hospitality, decor, service and coffee as part of it.
1: And I think also customer spend is something that you kind of touched on quite a lot there and it's how can you maximise what you get from the customer while giving them a better experience. It's a win-win situation. But
0: it's also your decision, of course. It's your business, it's your life. I I haven't been to Maxwell's place, I don't know, Um, but uh, you know, it's obviously, Penny University was a different thing too. It was just about coffee. If you decide to do that and you know that this has be your figures and you want to live with that, that's fine. That's your that's your choice. Mm-hmm. But if you want to take it that step further, you have to take it that step further.
1: I guess I should ask other people questions. So do we have any questions from the audience? Um, this is a great opportunity to ask somebody who has kind of built a very successful business. You started... Uh, sorry, hi. Hello. Don't want to be rude. Um... You started your business. Uh, you said you got the loan from the bank at the start of the recession, which obviously quite a difficult time to be encouraging people to come and spend money. Yes. Um. So, what could you attribute to your business becoming uh, so successfully, so quickly? In the, I mean, obviously you've been a few years now. Yeah. But you obviously had to make enough revenue to keep going. Yeah. So um, like in in light of bringing customers in. In the first place or um, retaining them etc
0: okay so I would say that the, the you know the first thing I did was I, I I thought I saw the opportunity and that was in 2005 to create a place where people wanted to go and of course I was thinking of myself then where would I want to go on a weekend and have coffee and there wasn't that many places in London that did that then I started thinking if I'm thinking that surely other people are thinking that And if I'm from Australia, then obviously there's other Australians who want to do that and New Zealanders. And there's maybe people who've travelled to Australia who want to come and experience that sort of lifestyle cafe or that style of cafe in London too. Um, And then I looked at the area or the location and the demographic of the people. And I highlighted and I thought about in my business plan what type of people I thought would be attracted to that type of product and also what would be attractive for me to actually serve and to look after and the sort of people I enjoy. My wife works in the uh, design industry, and so therefore I looked at the um, uh, design industry areas. And where we are located is very much a high fashion media design advertising industry. And so I used to walk around the shops in the area, and I used to stand outside our shop before we had the keys and stand out there in the morning, at lunchtime, in the afternoon. I used to go on a Friday night and stand outside the pubs, and look at all the people in the area who are drinking beer on a friday night and go you look like you need coffee in the morning and you look like you need coffee in the morning and i think you'll drink coffee too and does that answer the question a little bit so you know i was looking at that and then the you know allegra state this too that the coffee industry even though it's a recession people still treat themselves with a two pound fifty coffee so they may be cutting back on everything else, but it's a coffee is still a treat in the morning that they can go, yeah, it's not too expensive, and I can actually do that." So therefore, through that whole uh, recession period, 9, 10, 11, you know, 2000s, I think that's the whole industry still grew through that recession period because it was an attractive thing. Uh, also, the points that I'm trying to make: creating a place where people will come to and feel better when they leave you've been bombarded with everything in london and it's really hard work and you're in a recession and you're struggling and you come into us and we make you feel better so hopefully then uh, you'll and also uh, coffee's addictive <laughs> people said that people customers would come in and they go we're addicted to your coffee uh, yes <laughs> so yeah you know, but it, it doesn't matter how good your coffee is if you don't provide them with good service they won't come back hi peter
1: your numbers are based around being obviously in london which is where your shop is um, the so you have a yes an amount of guaranteed footfall for that would you consider that the hospitality aspect is more important outside of london where your footfall is lower so you have to really maximize every sale uh,
0: i i think you have to maximize every sale wherever you are mm. as well and and really focus on absolutely everything wherever you are um I th- if I'm getting the gist of your question, I think you know if you're looking outside London, where your rents are lower and your footfall is lower, sort of maybe it balances out a little bit. So therefore, you don't have to have so many customers. Would that be correct to say? Potentially. I mean, I think
1: obviously, when you're outside London and in smaller markets, yep. I think people are guilty of not focusing enough on the whole picture because they think it maybe it's not important because the competition isn't there. Okay. So perhaps the gist the, the question is, it's even it's important outside of um, a major city as well as inside the major city. If yeah. that makes kind of sense? I
0: think so, yeah. It I doesn't th- make much
1: sense to me now. With it <laughs>
0: <saying it. laughs> I, I, like I just say, if you're going to open a business, you're opening a business. And to me, that's a very serious thing. Okay? Like I said, I've got two children under four. I need to uh, get them to university. It's, I have a, you know, a wife I need to support. It's a very serious thing to me that I open my business and I run it as a business. It's not just to my family, but also to my staff. You know, I want my staff to be uh, coming to me and, and feeling well looked after. I'm supplying them with a the lifestyle and, uh, and, you know, their, their life depends on me running my business effectively and getting those customers in. So, I don't think no matter where you are in London, and London there's a lot of competition as well. Don't You know, you know we've got all the Prets, all the Starbucks, all the Nero's, everything else you can go to have your cup of coffee or your sandwich or whatever. And so, perhaps you could say that the competition is harder in London, if that's what you mean.
1: Um, I've got a question. Um, so I'm not looking for a specific number here necessarily, but I'm really interested in the business end of it, um, what you were talking about. And Excellent. Yeah, because we, we do this to make money, not for the pleasure of it necessarily. So um, as a business owner, I've got an exit strategy. I, I think about it a lot. Yep. Um, it sounds like you went into uh, what you're doing now with an idea possibly of what your exit strategy was going to be. Yeah. I want to know, again, no numbers <laughs> mentioned, okay. what, is, uh, what is your exit strategy? What do you, what do you want out of this? Um, do you want to grow it and have several shops? Do you want to keep it a niche, and, and, or, or do you have a plan for where you want to go with it?
0: Uh, I have a reasonable plan, perhaps not a definite plan, but in my business plan, I had three exit strategies. I had uh, oh, or I actually, sorry, future paths, they were, future path A, successful <laughs> media industry money blah blah uh, exit path or future path b not so successful and future path c was a failure okay so that was in my business plan if that makes sense and so i'm hoping that i'm starting to, to get towards future path a and future path a in my, when i rewrote my business plan uh, six months ago it was a revision of it was that i wanted to grow my business to be a hospitality portfolio of businesses so whether that's cafes and caffeines, and maybe 10 caffeines across uh, London, I'm not 100% sure. It may be, i I've thought about A3 restaurants and or pub perhaps, but to me, uh, the lifestyle of my family is much more important than working night times. And we're very, very lucky in hospitality to be able to have a cafe where you can work 7am to 7pm and go home at night, that's great. And also no alcohol, it's even better. Um, so yeah, so there is... And as I intimated before, that I get a lot of interest from estate agents and people emailing me and saying, open a business. Uh, I get asked every day almost by customers, are you going to open another business? Are you going to open another business? One day I will. Um, so, yeah, th- th- there's, there's not a definite setting in stone plan, as in I'm going to open 25 shops in four years, but there's definitely I'd like to grow that to be able to retire nicely. Yes. Does that help? Excellent. Thank you.